And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hey, it's Ty Smith of the Spokane Chiefs. It's Adam Bocas. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs. Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hi, I'm Dominic Buck. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Hills Oilers. It's Joe O'Brien. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time. NCAA. Face-off, 50-50, that's it. Minnesota Nice. Minnesota Duluth, national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Frolunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Oh, yes! Oh, my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby! This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go. Good weekend, everybody. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Thanks again for stopping by the Pipeline Show and uh, checking out this episode. If you're a returning listener, uh, that's fantastic to have you back. If you're new to the show, then welcome to the program, and I hope you'll uh, continue coming back and hearing more about the future of the NHL. As always, we start with the question of the day, brought to you by the Edmonton Oil Kings, who are currently on the road. As I'm speaking right now, they're getting set to take on the Regina Pats tonight. It will be the third game in three days with travel for the Oil Kings. They started off this little trip in Brandon on Wednesday. They lost that game, played in Moose Jaw yesterday, beat the Warriors in that one, and they wrap it up today in Regina against the Pats, who they have beaten three times this year looking to sweep the Pats in the season series. They avoided the season series sweep against the uh, Moose Jaw Warriors yesterday with that win. The the Warriors had beaten the Oil Kings three times uh, going into that game. The Oil Kings returned to action on uh, Monday, Family Monday. uh, It's a 2 o'clock game, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, Should be a good one, though. The Medicine Hat Tigers are in town, and uh, those are the top two teams, statistically speaking, in the WHL Central Division and uh, have been pretty competitive games. Uh, the previous meetings this year will be my, uh, if he plays, it will be my first chance to get to see Mad Sogard play with the Tigers. I did see him play in person with uh, in uh, the CHL Top Prospect game down in Red Deer. But the other time that the Medicine Hat was in town, it was uh, Jordan Hollett uh, played that game. So I haven't uh, had a chance to see uh, Sogard in action outside of the Top Prospect game. And again, that was... Uh, all of uh, a period and a half, so looking forward to that one, and it should be a, it's going to be a meaningful game in the standings, as I mentioned, uh, the CHL standings uh, or the Dub standings in the Central Division, uh, ridiculously close and have been for the last month, and will be right up to the end of the season. So uh, every point is of uber importance, and when the Tigers and the Oil Kings meet, uh, it's a battle right now for first place overall in the division. So an important game for sure. Question of the day, which I threw up on Twitter earlier is about uh, next week's show, and I did this last week, kind of asking for uh, a guest uh, suggestion, which didn't come to fruition, uh, having trouble uh, connecting uh, with the Sioux City Musketeers and uh, finding a time to uh, get Bobby Brink on the show. I'll continue to try to set that up. But uh, looking ahead to next week's show, looking at uh, Ontario Hockey League teams and thinking, let's get a play-by-play guy on from uh, the OHL. Now, Somebody who I haven't had on already this season from one of the teams I haven't uh, had a broadcaster on from. So scratching the Ottawa 67s and the Saginaw Spirit and the Guelph Storm, 
uh, and the Kitchener Rangers, because I've had play-by-play guys on from uh, those four teams already this season. Or who do you want to hear from? Who do you want me to get on the show? That was the question of the day. And a few responses that have come in. Lucas says Sudbury, mainly because I'm not sure anyone expected them to be a division triple threat. Uh, title threat, rather, not triple threat. Uh, and Steve says uh, the Erie Otters didn't give a reason, but just wants to hear uh, somebody from the Erie Otters. And uh, Tommy, who's a listener from Sweden, says I have no idea, but I really look forward to hearing the next episode. Always appreciate and love your coverage from the best junior hockey leagues in the world. Tommy, really appreciate that. Thanks for uh, sending the note. But if there's a specific team in mind uh, that you'd like to hear more from, and uh, maybe it is the Sudbury Wolves, certainly wouldn't be a bad uh, choice either. Uh, Currently, with 71 points going into this weekend's action, a three-way tie for second place in the Eastern Conference uh, behind the Ottawa 67s. So that's a pretty interesting race right there as well. So maybe we will go to Sudbury. But you can determine that by letting me know on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. Let's get to some uh, news and notes, and I have to start with the Alberta Junior Hockey League, the Brooks Bandits, going into this weekend. They have won 26 games in a row. Not just collected points in those games, 26 victories in a row. They are uh, by far the best team uh, in the Canadian Hockey League, the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and uh, they their next game is against the Camaros Kodiaks uh, this weekend. They could stretch that to 27, and I mean, the, the way they're playing... You can look at their upcoming schedule and try to pick which team is going to beat them. Uh, and uh, you might as well throw a dart at their calendar. Eventually, they're going to lose, you would think. But uh, pretty tough to pick which team it is that's going to beat the Brooks Bannets. They are red hot. Looking at the uh, NCAA right now, and um, just uh, notice American International College is uh, in first place in the Atlantic Conference. And I don't remember ever seeing that before. Since I've been doing this show. Uh, on the pairwise, they're ranked number 28. So well outside you know, getting an automatic bid, it's whoever wins the Atlantic Conference is the team that gets the uh, the auto bid to the um, NCAA tournament. Uh, American International would be, uh, it would be kind of neat to see somebody there that uh, doesn't get there very often. More often than not, it's, you know, uh, Air Force or Robert Morris, uh, sometimes RIT. But right now, American International playing some pretty good hockey in that conference. Be uh, nice to see some new blood. The other team uh, worth uh, keeping an eye on is Arizona State. The uh, Sun Devils now ninth in the pairwise. They've got four games left to go. American International is uh, one of those weekend series. In fact, it's this weekend. So a lot could be decided there uh, for uh, both of those clubs. Uh, and then the uh, Sun Devils wrap it up against uh, the Golden Gophers. That will be a uh, tough series for them weekend uh, series but uh, right now they're actually ranked ahead of minnesota minnesota is actually 30th in the pairwise as we speak I, I'm, I'm really i'm root i'm just outwardly rooting for arizona state to make the national tournament i you know i don't care who wins ultimately but i just think it's such a great story to see uh, uh, an independent team not eligible to get one of the six automatic bids by uh, winning your conference um, they they definitely taking the high the hard road uh, to get there. If they get in, I think it's a great story. So I'd like to see Arizona State make it into the national tournament. Not sure if it's going to happen right now. They're ranked ninth, uh, but things have to go their way this weekend and next. Uh, they don't they can't lose any ground. That's for sure. I don't think in the pairwise, or six teams will get automatic bids if there are six teams who are currently ranked ahead of them in the pairwise. 
Well, that's a good thing for Arizona State. It can't be all six because there isn't an Atlantic Conference team that is ranked ahead of them. So automatically, they're basically bumped down to number 10 in the pairwise because somebody below them is getting the auto bid for the Atlantic Conference. And if a team like Michigan wins the Big Ten, well, that uh, takes uh, an automatic bid uh, or one of the at-large spots away because Ohio State is ahead of Arizona State. And then if uh, the NCHC champion is not St. Cloud State or Denver or Ohio, uh, Minnesota Duluth, then that's another at-large bid taken away uh, from Arizona State. So things could r- slip through their fingers fairly easily depending on uh, which teams go on to uh, win their conference uh, titles. Interesting story, and we won't know the answer to that uh, for a couple of weeks still. The CHL Top 10, a little bit of movement, but uh, Ryan Duran is still... The number one ranked team, uh, Prince Albert, uh, fell from number one to number two last week. Uh, Ottawa and London have uh, switched spots. Basically, Ottawa now the top ranked team in the OHL coming in at number three. Drummondville is uh, number four. Uh, London moved from three to five, so they've, uh, they're have they now the second ranked team out of the OHL. Halifax uh, is at six, moving up two spots. Uh, the Everett Silvertips unchanged at seven. Everett actually losing to the Red Deer Rebels. Everett's actually 500 in their last 10 games, so looking uh, fairly human here as of late. Uh, Bay Como drops from 6 to 8. Ramuski stays at number 9, and the Vancouver Giants come back into the top 10 in that number 10 spot. Uh, speaking of uh, Everett and Vancouver, that's the race worth keeping an eye on right now. It's not you know whether Everett is going to finish atop the U.S. division or whether Vancouver will finish atop the B.C. division. I think those are... I'm not going to say it's a fait accompli in the BC division. It is certainly the, the Giants have a 20 point lead over Victoria, but uh, Portland is they're hot on the heels of the Everett Silvertips, but there is a seven point gap there. But it is worth noting that Everett is just playing 500 hockey here in their last 10 games. Uh, Portland has won six of their last 10, so it's not exactly like they're setting the world on fire either. But Everett and Vancouver are uh, separated by one win, and Vancouver is the trailing team but have a game in hand. So if they won that game, they'd be dead dead even with the average silver tips for first place overall in the conference, which could really come into play when it comes to the wild card situation and obviously if those two teams ended up meeting in the Western Conference final. Uh, lastly uh, of note, Saskatoon is on fire right now in the WHL, probably the hottest team in the league. They are 9-0-2 in their last 11 games, so... They have distanced themselves now from a Moose Jaw, who is, who is still in third place, 10 points back of the Saskatoon Blades. But for the first time in a long time, it seems like even going by winning percentage, Saskatoon now the number two team uh, in the East Division. And by uh, because of how tight the Central is and how much the teams are all just beating up on each other, it's tough to gain ground on either Prince Albert or Saskatoon if you're a Central Division team. So uh, PA and Saskatoon are actually the top two teams in the uh, Eastern Conference right now. That is the news and notes portion of this opening segment. Uh, Here's what's coming down the pipe today. We will start it off with a 2019 draft spotlight segment going out to the Ontario Hockey League and Nick Robertson of the Peterborough Peets, uh, who is a uh, a fun player to watch, boy. I saw him at the Holinka Gretzky Cup uh, this summer playing for the U.S., and he was uh, terrific in the game, a head-to-head game against Canada. And uh, he was also fun to watch at the top prospect game as well. Uh, so get to know Nick Robertson. Then we'll have an in-the-dub segment for Dub Network. Bill Wilms, the uh, 
longtime broadcaster in the WHL, color analyst for the Vancouver Giants, and was on Shaw TV broadcast uh, for the WHL for a long time as well. Always a great guest. And uh, Bill pulls no punches looking at the BC division. From there, it'll be the NCAA campus report. And uh, another Canadian who is up for the Hobie Baker Award this year happens to be leading his club in scoring this year as well. Morgan Barron, who has been on the show before, back in his NHL draft season a couple of years ago. He's a draft pick of the New York Rangers. He now plays for Cornell. Morgan Barron, Halifax kid, he's on the show today. And we'll close things out with another 2019 draft spotlight closer to home here in Alberta with the Sherwood Park Crusaders. It's goaltender Carter Guylander, who is somewhat of a uh, unkept secret now. The secret is out. There's been a lot of scouts who have come uh, to town and you know, they'll pull me aside at Olkin games and they'll be like, you know, if uh, Guylander is starting for uh, Sherwood Park uh, this weekend, I'm like, I have no idea. But, uh, you know, people are asking me about him and uh, kind of on the hush hush. But I think the secret is out now. Central Scouting has him ranked 12th. And there is a reason for that. Big six foot five, Carter Guylander. You'll get to know him a bit more at the end of the show today. That'll be the last segment. But we'll, we will start things. So we'll start with a. 2019 draft spotlight and we'll end with one as well but uh, up first nick robertson of the peterborough Peets. he's up first here on the pipeline show with gee flaming hey it's zach Lent from the peterborough Peets. there's a score galance that's a big goal as he goes upstairs and he's on a roll zach galance and that cuts the lead to 2-1 right off the faceoff, his seventh. Listen to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Ooh, that's a bingo. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show with Keith Fleming. Appreciate uh, my next guest joining me as we flip on the switch for the 2019 Draft Spotlight. His name is Nick Robertson. He plays for the Peterborough Peets. The Peets are right in the thick of it in the OHL's uh, Eastern Conference in the playoff race. Uh, Nick, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing uh, fantastic. Uh, Tell me about the season from your perspective for the Peets this year and and how things have gone. Yeah, I thought... uh... You know, we've been through ups and downs at the beginning of the season. We're doing pretty well. And, you know, right now we're kind of struggling a bit, but, you know, we're still in the playoff spot. So uh, we got to keep it going. And, um, you know, we still have good chances and we stick as a unit. We'll definitely make a run here for the playoffs. Three wins in the team's last 10 games. So that's, I guess you say it's kind of been an up and down year. It's maybe a bit down at the moment. How, how fine of a line is it from, you know, when you, when the team is winning and playing one way to the, not getting the win, and how big of a difference is it uh, from one night to the next just in the execution of the team? Yeah, I mean, definitely it's kind of frustrating, you know, when you win a few games and, you know, you lose a few games. So um, I think we just got to be more a little bit consistent. And, um, you know, it's always uh, it's always fun winning and sucks to lose, but sometimes you need to get going. So I think there's kind of a blessing in disguise. And 
you know, especially leading up playoffs at this time, it's very crucial. And, you know, we got to turn around here and be a little bit more consistent. And how about for you on a personal level this year? You had 33 points as a rookie last year. You got 42 points already this year in half as many games, pretty much. Uh, I have to think, at least on an individual basis, you're uh, pretty happy with the way things have gone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, at the beginning of the season, uh, had some a little bit of adversity, especially right off the first game. You know, I had my wrist injury, and I'm still a little, little bit nagging me right now. But, uh, you know, I had some frustrations, and I was out for roughly three to four weeks with a cast on. And, you know, I came back playing with a cast on uh, for the remaining of or two weeks, and then I re-injured it. So, um, you know, my playing production wasn't really there at the start. You know, but the team was doing well, so it was a good spot for us, and I was still positive about it. And, um, you know, then I came back in November, and, you know, I just had a great night. And ever since then, it's just been really good, and I've just been taped on my wrist, and everything is going great. You know, I got selected for the top prospects game and thought I had a pretty solid game. And, you know, I'm just enjoying the year so far, and I think, it, you know, it's going great. And, you know, I just got to keep going here for the rest of the second half. With a wrist injury like that, I imagine that's uh, pretty tough to go through, to play through, if it's not 100% when you're a skilled guy and you know, you, you're you a, a playmaker and a shooter, so uh, that's got to be a, a tough thing to play with. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, the wrist injury is, uh, you know, nothing, <laughs> something you don't want, especially, in, you know, with stick handling and shooting. And, uh, you know, it's definitely a frustrating time and, you know, definitely the strength isn't back there, but. You know, you just got to find a way to persevere. And I think I've done just that, especially with the trainers here and you know, a lot of confidence from the coach. And, you know, with an injury, it's all, you know, as much as it's physical, it's all mental. So, you know, I just had to mentally get out of it and persevere and find ways to reduce it. And I think I did. And, again, I think it's going great. And, um, you know, I have to deal with this wrist problem after the season, but for now I have to deal with it. So, Well, I know you trusted the medical uh, staff and all that for the team. Was there ever a thought about maybe I should shut it down for another couple of weeks just to try to let it get 100%? Uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't want to really push it um, the last, uh, you know, know, I could have gone right away and I could have played with the cast on, but, uh, you know, I had, uh, you know, I talked to the doctors, got a second opinion up there in Toronto, and, you know, they told me to, uh, you know, it's my draft year and, you know, I gotta, <clears throat> I gotta, uh, you know, focus more on my draft year and not to wear the cast because it kind of hinders my playing ability. And, you know, I just took that time off and, hmm. you know, I could have played with the cast on theoretically for a couple more weeks, but, you know, I took some time off because it's my draft year and, you know, I got in a second opinion. So, um, it was, I thought it was the best decision and again, it's been good ever since. Uh, Nick Robertson is my guest, plays for the Peterborough Peets out of the Ontario Hockey League, a uh, draft-eligible player. And uh, what we like to do in this part of the show, Nick, in this segment, is uh, let the audience get to know somebody that is draft-eligible. And not everybody that's hearing this will know uh, much about your your story. Uh, so let's begin at the beginning. Where are you from? Yeah, I'm born in California, up there in Pasadena. I live up there in the summer. And yeah, I'm born there. I know you, you played... A little bit of uh, Bantam hockey, at least, maybe midget as well, in the Ontario area. Uh, what yeah. took you from California to there? Yeah, well, originally I went from California to Michigan, Michigan. Uh, when I was about uh, nine. And then uh, <laughs> from there, um, you know, my brother went previously for the OHL draft up in Toronto for the Dom Hills. And, and I took his route just a year before. So I played there in my Bantam age year, and I played there. I'm at a midget year, so I think just, you know, I'm playing the OHL now, just the attraction of scouts there, and uh, just the attention and the competition up there is, you know, superior, and so far, so far uh, off the charts, 
you know, compared to the States. So I thought it was a good, co- good competition and good, just a good spot for me. You mentioned, uh, your brother, Jason Robertson. He's been on the show before as well and, uh, drafted by Dallas, uh, what, uh, 2017. So uh, not last year, but the year yeah. before. Um, age difference between the two of you enough that you didn't get to play together growing up at all? Um, yeah, we played like, like maybe like house hockey on the side just for fun. We played together and I think one time I played like a couple of games with him with his older team, played, played with him. So I really, I haven't really played with him. You know, obviously I played against him in the OHL quite a bit. So, yeah. uh, you know, it was always fun playing against him and I think he's even more fun to play with him. Okay, so. Well, you're uh, in the same conference, so you'll be butting heads a lot uh, over your OHL yeah. career for sure. Um, now, I don't remember what he told me when I asked him the question, but being a California guy, uh, what got you into hockey? Was it partly because of uh, what he was doing? And as a younger brother myself, I know I always wanted to do what my older brother was doing. Was it something similar for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my dad was just, uh, you know, uh, old season tickets for Anaheim at that time when the Mighty Ducks. Uh, with LA Kings, so my dad was just a fan of it, and you know, my brothers kind of hopped on there, and you know, so did I. So we just got attracted to hockey, and um, you know, ever since then, you know, I was just very passionate about it. Ever since watching the Kings and the season tickets, and you know, the Ducks and stuff like that. So it was, you know, I think that had a huge part of where I went to LA part of it for the hockey. Uh, now I know, uh, you probably get asked about comparisons to, to Jason a lot. Uh, I think that the biggest thing that stands out when I just look at the sheets is he's listed at 6'2", you're listed at 5'9". Um, that's a significant <coughs> difference. Have you, have you stopped yeah. growing or do you think there's still a, a couple, uh, two or three more inches you can grow taller? Uh, maybe a couple inches or so. I mean, you know, I'm not too focused on, uh, you know, the height of the weight anymore. I think there are a lot of players in the league that, successful you know there's a guy on my team that's pretty successful so that height so um you know uh, i think you know maybe a couple or so but uh, i don't really focus on it so um you know i think it's more about uh, the skill these days and you know, get around the players so i think it's more about skill instead of the height and stuff so i don't know about the growing anymore but you know i'm definitely happy right now so well, that's the right answer for sure. Uh, and that, that's the difference between the two of you. The similarity is you both put up a pile of points. Offense just seems to come naturally for you. Um, I mean, yeah, I think for him and myself, we have offense and production through different ways, you know, with different styles. And, you know, he's a big guy and, you know, he can rip the puck. So I think that's how he gets his production. And for me, I'm kind of like a player, tenacious and, you know, get the puck and create havoc. And, Sometimes that's how I get my production. So I think there are different ways we get it, but at the end of the day, you know, we get it on the stat sheet. So, um, yeah, just different styles, but at the end of the day, just the fact is the same, same thing. So do you guys get a lot of family that come and watch you play when you, when your teams go head to head? Um, only my mom and dad come out as far as like my brothers and sisters, my other brothers and sisters, not really. Um, cause they, uh, cause they're obviously in California. So the, but, you know they made it up for the for the prospects game, right? And um, yeah, they, you know family came up there, so it was good to see them. But you know they'll be at the job, so it's good. Now I've talked to uh, brothers before who have played on opposite teams, and they say sometimes when their parents come watch, mom will cheer for one kid, and dad will cheer for the other, yeah. just so it's fair. <laughs> Is that how it works for you guys too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of weird. They always say whoever has the puck they cheer for, but you know, you never know what they're thinking. So you know, I hope it's not for me. But I mean, you know, we just want to both of ourselves against each other, and you know, I guess whoever has the puck on their stick, whoever has a hot hand tonight is the favorite. So 
next time I play, I'm going to have a hot hand. So, but yeah, I mean, I mean, they also both 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 roads for us. So, um, you know, it's not really a big competition. Uh, of each course. Other. Yeah, of course. Uh, Nick Robertson from the Peterborough Pete's my guest here in the 2019 draft spotlight. Uh, your season this year started really early. Back in August, uh, you actually got to come out to uh, where I am in the Edmonton area and, and Red Deer and play in the Holinka Gretzky Cup. Uh, what was that opportunity like for you? Yeah, it was an amazing feeling. I think, you know, representing my country there. You know, I thought, you know, that tournament's kind of, uh, <clears throat> you know, it was big up in Europe and now for it to be in Canada for the one year and, you know, the, the height and the publicity. I had to play in front of not a home crowd, but more of a familiar crowd because it's like, yeah, it's definitely exciting. And, you know, to kind of be the underdogs in the tournament because we didn't, uh, you know, it was just CHL and USHL guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the States, not that program. And you know, I had a lot of fun and represent my country. It's just, uh, just a good experience. And you know, I think a lot of way there from relationships and uh, just a good experience playing against your peers and, just getting to know people you kind of play against. So it was, it was a good time and just one of my great memories of hockey for sure. I've talked to some of your teammates who were on that club, uh, you know, like Dustin Wolf, the goalie, and um, uh, Robert Master Simone and uh, Arthur Kelly. I've just chatted with him in Red Deer. And uh, I, I always ask about the way that tournament ended where, let's be honest, it uh, you guys were jobbed a little bit with uh, no replay <laughs> on that final goal against Canada. Yeah. Still a bitter uh, taste in your mouth about that, uh, or or does it like um, water off a duck's back and you just move on? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I, you know, if, when I think about it, it kind of sucks, but you know, I know I don't really think about it too much. So, you know, it obviously sucks. You know, we could have got a battle of beast, silver or gold, and you know, um, you know, some people who say you got robbed or whatever, but it is what it is. You know, I, you know, you can't change it. So once the ref makes a call and says it's in, it's kind of in. So it is what it is. Out in our luck, in our savings. you know, it is what it is, and yeah, I still had a good time. So, is what it is. I think that was the quote we got from everybody after the game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, like, there's nothing else to say. You know, we can't. Yeah, you know, we're, it's no secret that everyone's like, "What well, I was in with," you know, you know, it's a joke. Like, what is this about? But you know, talking in an interview or talking to someone else, it's not going to really change. The outcome, so yeah. I know you've heard this a lot, but it is, it is what it is. So now you had a good tournament there, uh, five points in that uh, tournament in the five games uh, that you played. Um, your teammate there was Arthur Kaliev. The two of you were on the same line at the uh, top prospect game in Red Deer, and uh, some great chemistry between the two of you. And then you add Peyton Krebs to the mix from the Western Hockey League, and guy you've never played with before and played against at the Holinka Gretzky yeah. Cup. Uh, but it looked like you guys have been playing together for a while. Uh, what, what, how, do you, how do you come across that sort of chemistry between three three guys who don't play together normally? Yeah, well, obviously me and Artie have you know, come a long way. And, you know, in a span of, I don't know, half a year, we played together at uh, at the trials for Olinka. We played together at the pro- at Olinka. We played together at the Prospects game. We played together at the, at, uh, the recent event, the CHL game. So, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of know we're... Our favors and obviously he's kind of a lead player, lead shot. So he kind of gets in his bread and butter area on the right side. And, you know, you just got to find him there. But for us, Krebs, Krebs, you know, he's a very talented player. And you know, he's kind of not really a shooter and kind of gives gives me and I the leeway of shooting and trying to score. So, uh, you know, in the span of two days, it looked like we had a lot of chemistry. And it's just easy to play with a lot of skill guys like that. And you just tend to have fun with it. And, 
you know, you just get chemistry even when you're not thinking about it. So it was, it was good, and, you know, we wanted to play for each other, so we did. You know, it turned out pretty well. Do you see yourself, Nick, as, as more of a shooter or a setup guy? Because your point's pretty yeah. evenly split between the two. Yeah, everyone you know, kind of asked me, like, if I'm a setup or a passer. Yeah. Honestly, there are games where I'm a shooter and then games where I'm a passer and something. So it's kind of uneven, and some people say you shoot more. But for asking myself, I think I'm kind of a uh, both. You know, sometimes, you know, to be effective myself and to be on the stat sheet to help the team, I got to be a passer or I got to be a shooter. You know, I just feel like I need to make the right play, either whether it's to shoot or to pass. So, you know, if I, if I have the opportunity to pass it back door and I'll get it away, or likelihood of other team scoring, then I'll pass it back door. But, you know, if I've got a clear lane to shoot it, I'll shoot it. So, um, you know, I think, I think both of them are kind of, one of my biggest traits is just passing and shooting. I think something I take pride in my IQ and, um, yeah, I'd say I'm a shooter and a playmaker. I don't think it's heavily, I think it's pretty even. And mm-hmm. sometimes you'll see me as a playmaker, like at the process game or sometimes you'll see me as a shooter, like the Hoenka. So yeah, it's kind of uneven sometimes, but you know, for me, I would say it's pretty even. All right. Well, that's fair. Um, now, how much yeah. do you spend uh, time thinking about the draft and what can happen uh, oh. uh, this June? Yeah, all the time. I mean, you know, the draft is a big deal, and you know, I, it's hard not to think about it, right? You know, and all the rankings are coming out. At the end of the day, it's not what those rankings are saying. It's what the team ranks you or what the team needs. You know, so it's like uh, at the grocery store, you got a grocery list, right? So you're not just going for the highest guy; you're going for the right guy. So, um, you know, you're definitely thinking about it, and a lot of stuff happens at the draft. You know, I think a lot of stuff happens that you can't even control. And um, as much as you can't control, you kind of want to think about it and maybe jump up in the rankings. But, you know, they look in the future, right? So, um, but answering your question, yeah, I think about the draft quite a lot. But, you know, I don't try to let it to affect, you know, who I am as a person or just even how I play, you know, trying to be a little more selfish or something. I just let me play hockey and, you know, People who like me will draft me, and you know that, that'll be it. So, you know, as much as it doesn't matter, become draft day of what happens is what I have to do from there. You know, so. Just a couple more questions for you, Nick. Uh, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no when, problem. when it comes to the draft, uh, does it matter where you go? I mean, there's no pressure. You're going to get drafted. I don't think there's any question. You're going to get drafted. <clears throat> does it matter if it's first round or second round? Because most people seem to have you pegged. You know, top forty-five, but not necessarily in the top thirty-one. Yeah, I mean, you know, I see you see the rankings. They rank me maybe in the top thirty-one or in the second round. You know, I don't really it doesn't. Really um, you know, I think as much it is the rank, as much it is looks nice. You know, for your Instagram, whatever. I think it, you know, it matters where your spot is. You know, if you're, if it looks pretty nice, you know, you're drafted and. Um, you know, you're in a situation that they're going to develop you really nicely and they like who you are and will pay close attention, you know, compared to, I don't know, being like, say something that's five picks in the first round and you're the fifth pick and four guys ahead of you are all left wingers. You know what I mean? It's just kind of the situation you're in. And um, I think as much as high as you want to go there, I think you're just in the right situation. So, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, obviously I want to be drafted as high as I can. But again, you know, you have to have the right situation. Um, I remember my brother, you know, he was pegged to be a first rounder and, you know, he didn't. And he got to the next year to Dallas. And, you know, as much 
as you know, he was kind of disappointed in Jonathan in the first round. He got Jonathan very disappointed. Uh, it was a second round, and we're still happy. And, you know, his situation's very great now, and you know he's got a good spot there. So he's got a bright future with him there. And again, it's what you do after the day you draft it. You know, just hope you're in a good situation. You know. A great uh, attitude to have, Nick. Listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, wish you the best luck the rest of the way this year with Peterborough or whatever happens at the draft. I hope we can talk again one day. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. That's Nick Robertson of the Peterborough Peets. Apologize for the uh, cell phone uh, issues. Must be something about uh, the Peterborough area. Was in and out there for uh, a little while. I tried to clean it up as best I could. I think for the most part you can still get the gist of... Uh, what he was saying, though. Not the biggest guy in the world, but uh, loads of talent. And I think a real wild card uh, come draft day. You never know. A, you know, a, a guy with that much skill, but in a uh, a body that's not six foot two, you never know where he's going to go. Some team might take him the top 15. Some team uh, might look at him and say, second round. Alex Dabrinkit. You know, that kind of a guy. So we'll see about Nick Robertson. Up next is an In the Dub segment with uh, Bill Wilms, the uh, longtime voice of uh, WHL on Shaw TV. Well, at least the color analyst on those games. Unfortunately, WHL on Shaw TV no longer exists, but thankfully, Bill Wilms still the color analyst for the Vancouver Giants. And a great guest to get on the show. That's next here on the Pipeline Show. Hankwitz wants the one-timer. Bellary lets it go. He scores! <laughs> I mean, I'm... Unbelievable shot by Jordy Bellary. He's up the schneid, and it's 2 nothing. Hey, this is Jordy Bellary from the Lethbridge Hurricanes. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Star Wars Night Strikes Back. Star Wars and hockey fans unite. Family Day Monday. It's the return of the Edmonton Oil Kings to Rogers Place on Family Day in a pivotal Central Division matchup against the Medicine Hat Tigers. Everyone in attendance receives a commemorative poster. Plus, you can get your hands on Star Wars-themed jerseys worn by your Oil Kings via silent auction in support of Sorrentino's Compassion House. Oil Kings Star Wars Night, Monday at 2. Great Family Day entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. We're back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, and it's an in-the-dub segment, which, as always, brought to you by our friends at dubnetwork.ca, expanding to OHL Network as well. But uh, if you want to stay up to date, on everything happening across the Western Hockey League, Dub Network is a great place where you can uh, do that. So dubnetwork.ca. And my guest today, uh, one of my favorites uh, on uh, to get uh, to talk about the WHL here on the Pipeline Show is uh, Bill Wilms, a longtime broadcaster uh, covering the Western Hockey League. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, Bill. How are things? Always a pleasure. Uh, how are things? Well, anybody is following the weather knows that uh, it's horrible here in terms of snow. But I got to tell you, we get so little snow, Guy. Um, <laughs> my wife bought uh, a shovel not that long ago, and I can't believe how light it is and how easy it is to shovel. That's, uh, you know, <laughs> those big metal blades, forget it. They're gone. It's yeah. all plastic now, and a shovel's easy, really light. 
Yeah, you're talking to a guy who lives in Alberta and has to shovel regularly, so you don't have to tell me about shovels and the advancements in uh, that uh, that product over the years. <laughs> I love it. Uh, no, uh, all right, let's get to the Western Hockey League, and we're going to focus on the, the BC division. Of course, the top team in the division this year, the Vancouver Giants. I don't think that's been a surprise to anybody over the course of uh, this season. Uh, in your estimation, I, I think it's fair to say, in general, the BC division is an off year for the BC division. Are the Giants capitalizing on that, putting up more points than they would, say, if they were in the U.S. or the Central division? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I think they're 21-3 and three against the BC division. What does that tell you? Yeah. Um, deserving BC pennant winners this year uh, in terms of dominating you know, the BC division. And, and it is. It, it, is, it is weak, probably is weak weak as I've seen in the last number of years. Uh, you know, but from the Giants' standpoint, too, it's it, it, what's kind of interesting about it, too, Guy, is it's, it's, there's no time to coast now. This would normally be a time with that big lead on, uh, you know, on, what is it, 20 points on Victoria. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, Everett comes into play, and a Western Conference championship is, you know, is possibly uh, in, in the making. So it's got everybody's attention and probably will be to the end of the season. Hey, you know what? The only wobble... I thought this year was when I when I saw you in Edmonton on that um, they were on a four game losing streak of the Central Division and uh, you know that's that's the only really problem I think they've had all year. Well, and that's funny because I was going to mention that when the Giants came through town and I believe that was New Year's Day if I remember correctly. Um, yep, it was. I, I actually I was not all that impressed with the Giants. You, now you mentioned it was the down part of their season outside of Bowen Byram. Uh, I wasn't all that enthralled with uh, the way the Giants uh, played in that game. I I look at that Giants team, and again, this is from the outside looking in. I see a stud defenseman, pretty solid net mining. Doesn't matter if it's Trent Miner uh, or David Tendek in net, but it, the offense leaves me a little uh, wanting more. And and Milos Roman didn't play that game, so uh, take that into consideration. But when you assess this Giants team as the playoffs get closer and a potential first round matchup with a team from the U.S. division. Could that be a problem? Yeah. Well, you're 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 absolutely bang on. I mean, that was certainly the one game uh, that you saw them. But uh, pick your poison as far as goaltending is concerned. No question about it. You know, David Tennant, Trent Miner, they, you know, they've been fabulous. You know, the, the ten times Guy, that they've scored only two goals this year, the Giants, ten times. To your point, they haven't got a bunch of offensive players. The ten times they've only scored two goals, they've won eight of them, hmm. and one overtime loss in there and a, and a four, two loss to word outright loss to, uh, to Victoria. But, but here's the thing with this Vancouver giant team that I have come to expect. And, and, and I guess appreciate is their MO this year. Um, they're hard to play against really hard to play against the first 30 minutes of the game with, they beat you. They, they, they don't beat you. They, they discourage you with structure. Okay, first half of the game. And then the second half of the game, it looks like depth wins. They probably got the best three forward lines depth wise in the league. And their fourth line isn't particularly bad either. But they got no elite scorers. There's no there's no Ron thing with sixty three goals. There's no Benson with twenty eight goals. Davis Kosh leads the team in scoring, and honestly he he now is absolutely killing it with his Western Hockey League experience. Mm. It's really come to the front. And he's got the 56 points. He, I, he, I think he's 25th, top 25, and he's 25th in scoring in the league. 
I mean, what does that tell you? There is no absolute uh, um, uh, anybody here that blows your socks off offensively. And then you add Bowen Byram to that mix, and, and he's somebody special. Well, I'm going to ask you about him in a second, but uh, I do want to uh, mention Tristan Nielsen. The, since the calendar flipped to 2019, his production is uh, skyrocketed. So 2018 Tristan Nielsen compared to what we're seeing now with the Giants, night and day, what do you think the difference is? I think he's a little less intense. You know, sometimes you gotta you got to crank down the intensity a little bit, and you get a little bit better feel for the puck. Um, he got a couple goals the other night in Kamloops where, you know, you, the old saying, get pucks behind a defense. Mm-hmm. They were able to do that, and Jaden Joseph fed him in a quiet spot in front of the net for two beauties. And instead of being that first man in on a forecheck, instead of being that guy that wants to go and create a loose puck, instead of being that guy that's coming up the ice, going to shoot it from everywhere he can, thinking he's got to be a goal scorer, he's backed off a little bit. He still has an intensity, but I think he's I think he's feeling. I think he's honestly feeling the game a little bit better with Vancouver right now. All right, well, let's get to uh, Bowen Byram, uh, who everybody is uh, from a scouting community is, is watching this guy all season long and maybe for the last couple of years, and uh, he is uh, worth the price of admission, isn't he? Tell, you've been covering this league for a long time, Bill. What makes Bowen Byram special, and can you compare him to some other WHL defensemen who have gone on to have success? Who does he remind you of? Nobody. Hmm. I, I, I've never seen anybody like this. Um, you get this. The most remarkable thing about Bowen Byram is the Vancouver Giants have got the second best goals against in the Western Hockey League. I, you know, when I just talked about the first 30 minutes and the second 30 minutes of a game, okay, it, it, they're based on, I don't want to say defense first, but defensive structure first. So when you've got a team that's based on that, and this 17-year-old defenseman leads the team in shots on goal, how much... <laughs> I mean, how how much is he in the offensive zone? Uh, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, he's the best Vancouver Giant defense I've ever seen because of that complete package. You literally become a better coach. Michael Dick becomes a better coach watching him play. <laughs> I have never seen a defenseman who has the understanding, I guess, of of where of what's needed, where on the ice. Uh, and in all three zones, Guy, I'm not kidding you. I, it's off the chart. Uh, how he makes things happen all over the place, it's uh, it's crazy. I, I am now convinced we may not have him back next year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? I honestly wouldn't be surprised. And he, uh, certainly no question about his, uh, his uh, endurance or his stamina because that guy plays like 40 minutes a night, doesn't he? Well, yeah. And, and you know what? You know what helps him? That ten minute timeout every in between the ten minute mark of the of the first, second, third period. Yeah, you know he that that just gives him that little extra break. He can put put him on a little bit more. Now, having said that, you know they picked up a couple of guys, Buffaro and Dallas Hines, a couple defensemen. They they added them to take a little bit of the load off the time that he was playing on the ice, uh, Bowen Byram. But honestly, I I mean the best trailer. As a defenseman for that I ever saw with Shea Weber uh, trailing a rush, I've seen better guys carry pucks out of their own end. Um, you know, we, we've had some great defense in Vancouver, and Don Hay in his, in his heydays with us really capitalized on that 19-year-old age group defense. Mm-hmm. Oh, he had some beauties here. Uh, but this kid at 17 is 
is is remarkable. Leads a team, you know, I think he's tied for second on goals. I talked about it. I tweeted one time about his even strength goals. Mm-hmm. And then I say the shots on goal. I mean, how when you're playing defense first and you're a defenseman and you're leading the team on offense and still doing all the work in your own end. I, I As I said, I Ron Teugel said that he's never seen a defenseman like this in this league since uh, Scott Niedermeyer. Uh, he's pretty special, no question. Uh, uh, speaking with uh, Bill Wilms, uh, who has been a broadcaster covering the Western Hockey League for uh, a long time. Boy, Bill, how many years now have you been? Uh, I want to say 22. Yeah. He uh, listed 2,000 games. I got 2,000 plus. So nice. I, you know what? You know, Guy and you know, you do color for the for the Oil Kings. Yeah. I have never put the headset on. Never once, and I can say this with all honesty, where I haven't been excited to talk about the game. Yeah. You, know, you you put headsets on, you talk about the game, you get paid for it. I mean, what could be better? Not I'm not even a big watcher of the NHL anymore. I mean, uh, this is such a good product. I hear you. I haven't been to a, an NHL game uh, as working media for um, almost 10 years now. I think it's been about that long. All right, let's get uh, an overall sense of what the rest of the BC division looks like. And for me, again, outside looking in, it's almost like there's four teams. And, well, Prince George probably fading now, but three teams and you just kind of wonder if they get in the playoffs, if that's good enough, uh, you don't really get a sense Victoria, Kelowna or Kamloops are much of a threat this year. What's your take? Well, okay. When you take a look at Victoria, uh, the story is very, very simple. They, they, they've got guys that have aged in. We talk about guys aging out in this league, but they, they've got guys aged, real, aged in real quickly. Kate Oliver, 18-year-old, went, he's gone from six goals to 23. Mm-hmm. This is the one that blows me away. DJ Jerome, mm-hmm. 19-year-old. Gee, last year, PA and Victoria played 44 games. Okay, he had one assist. Yep. He's got 21 goals, 37 points this year. You know, and the third guy is Brandon Cutler. He's he's just gone from 11, I think, 11 points to 30, 35 points. They've added Cody McDonald, the tough guy. And then Griffin Outhouse obviously gives them a chance to win every game, gives them a chance to win any series. And they've taken a big workload off his shoulders. And, and last year he played 60 games. He won't be playing that many this year. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be interesting and they're going to be a good, a, a good com- competition. You know, they may be a tough out for whoever plays them. Yeah, I guess that's fair, especially based on with Griffin Outhouse. I mean, a goaltender in the playoffs can certainly steal you a series. Um, then you've got Kelowna and Kamloops uh, fighting it out for, I guess, to play Victoria and avoid, you know, uh, a, a series against either Vancouver or Everett at this point. Yeah. Uh, what would be, uh, you know, when you look at Kelowna, um, obviously looking ahead to next year as a, a, yep. a bigger year, a more important year for them, but, you know, any experience they can get down the stretch here and into the playoffs, certainly valuable for next year. Yeah, and, and they went through, obviously, made a coaching change. But, you know, when they lost last year in four straight in the playoffs, Kelowna Rockets, round one, they lost to Tri-City. And you add to that an unexplicable 06 start at home. They lost six in a row at home. There's years they don't lose six games all year. Yeah. Um, ultimately, that cost Jason Smith his job. So Adam Foote comes in, and for me, he's basically still, you know, maybe trying to pick up the pieces a little bit to make it – it really worked. Uh, their season low for me was the two losses they had back-to-back in Prince George. The highs have been a 2 nothing win against Everett and a 4-3 win against Prince Albert. I mean, yeah. it doesn't get much better than that. But they don't scare anybody. They, there's no guys on Kelowna Rockets that 
that you're afraid of going in. And, and I mean, you know, as well as I do, I don't have to name names, but you know, cause there's too many of them that forward group defense group always gave you, um, you know, a handful playoffs experience is a must for this team. They, they have to, they've got to get this group some playoff experience going into next year, the year they hold some Memorial cup. And for me, he, I, I, I'm going to call him the X factor. Um, by the way, you know, when they made that coaching change with Jason Smith, I talked about with the, the bad start at that time, they were also the most penalized team in the BC division at that time. So, you know, that was all a bad, bad start. And they tried to put, you know, pick up all the pieces, but they could be interesting. And as I said, for me, they're the X factor in the playoffs. With the Kamloops Blazers, I was a little bit surprised that uh, Dylan Ferguson wasn't moved before the deadline. That's not to say that something may have been in the works, just didn't get completed. But if, mm-hmm. they, if they missed the playoffs and were not able to uh, make anything uh, with that asset, uh, you know, for the future, was that an error? Yeah, yeah, I know. I agree with you because that uh, Dylan Grand has been, you know, really, really a more than adequate backup, and he's almost one of those guys that looks like he could be a number one guy, but. When you're looking at the BC division right now, they're six behind Kelowna for third, yeah. and they're three behind Seattle for a wild card. Okay, so they're they're in it, and they had a, a stretch here recently. I think they lost one game in eight. They, they were on a pretty good little run that that got them into that spot. But but here's the thing: I see them as a two line hockey team, and not to disparage anybody else, but you know Franklinson. Tazo. By the way, those two guys, I, I don't know if people know that. They're both from Marwayne, Alberta. They're yeah. top two scorers, I think, or two of their top three. They're cousins. Okay, you had Connor Zary. There's three. And then you had Brody Stewart, Martin Lang, and Jermaine Lowen. Mm-hmm. And I don't see anything beyond that. And Jermaine Lowen is that runaway freight train. Okay, he's got tw- he had 36 goals last year, and he got drafted. He had to prove that that was no fluke. But he's got 20. So that's a pretty good start on that team. Pretty good at this point. But Gee's got eight assists. And my point for that is we saw that when Vancouver played Kamloops, you force him to carry the puck, Jermaine Lowen, and make a play with it. He's not great at that. He's not a great playmaker, as the eight assists only show. And and some of those are guys cleaning up his garbage. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know with, with six forwards and not to disparage anybody else. Not sure they can get it done, but, uh, you know, making a playoffs is a must to your point. Uh, otherwise moving Ferguson, you know, should have been done. Well, but if they do get the playoffs, they do have Dylan Ferguson who can, again, we said it about Griffin Outhouse, a good goalie maybe yep. helps you uh, steal around or something like that. But, uh, then exactly. you've got the Prince George Cougars, obviously not a season that they're, well, I think a lot of people expected them to struggle this year, but um, it's led to uh, coaching changes. Uh, what do you just make of what uh, has happened here with the Cougars? Can't score. Absolutely amazing how inept they are. They come at you hard, game. Yeah. They compete like crazy. They're, they got pretty good size, but they had a stretch of 10 in a row. This is not a, you know, this 10 games in a row recently. I mean, when we went in there last Tuesday night, in 10 games, they had scored five, five, one goal five times and two goals five times. So, you know, there's 10 games in a row where they scored one or two goals, and they lost all 10 of them, not surprising. But they're the, they've got the fewest goals scored, if I'm not mistaken. They might have the fewest goals scored. The last time I looked in the entire Canadian hockey league. Uh, well, Swift Current's only got 114, and Prince George is 117, so they might be the two. Oh, okay. There may be, there's certainly the two, and their goal differential for and against is minus 63. Yeah. Um, 
Gauthier solid, you know, good goaltender. Mark Lamb, you know, he's gone behind the bench. And, boy, you – hey, doesn't that, isn't that crazy how that happens? Here's a team that can't score with a lick, to be honest with you, and you just got to stay patient with them. Yeah. So, and finally you push them out of games through no fault of their own other than they can't score. But, they, you know, they, they're low scoring. They make the coaching change. They go in a clone and they score three goals in the first period. <laughs> and uh, you know that's you know Mark Lamb I like I got a lot of time for Mark Lamb. We did a pregame interview with him, and I mean you know his days with the Edmonton Oilers and you know and he played with the Messiers and the Tikkanens and the Andersons. I I I couldn't get enough questions to him about leadership. I mean you talk about leadership on and you know the Oilers team and that great playoff that he had that year you know as a, almost a role player I like it got a lot of time for him and uh, I think it's an obviously it's a next year's season for Prince George I'm just looking at the standings and you mentioned how Vancouver now only one point back of Everett for top spot in the conference if uh, if Vancouver was able to to actually win the conference they would obviously get the play the uh, the second wild card team the first world wildcard team right now is Tri City, and they are significantly uh, better, I would suggest, than the other teams in the BC division. How big of an advantage or uh, incentive is that for Vancouver to win the conference just to avoid playing that that second wildcard team or the first wildcard team, rather? Well, it's it's a good question because I kind of asked assistant coach Jamie Hewitt the other day in our post game show about focusing on Everett. He says, we're not, we're not even thinking about them. Hmm. So if they're not even thinking about which, you know, take it with a grain of salt, right? I mean, the players know. Um, but if they're not really focusing on Everett, then you know for sure they're not even focusing on who they play in the playoffs. So, um, you know, they've had tremendous success against Tri-City. They've had solid success against Seattle. They've got them a couple more times. Uh, they're done with Everett. They played them four times. They don't play them anymore. So there's no, you know, head-to-head battles with Everett for first in the conference. Um, you know, I mean, this is still awfully strange for everybody around Vancouver for the last four or five years to be even thinking about playing a wild card team. Usually, you're trying to get into that third spot. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, even I, I they they would they would take whoever. Uh, it's it's um, I'm not saying a toss up, but. Uh, Honestly, I'm not even sure. Uh, I think they, the games they played against the Americans, they, they 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 played well. And again, like I said, they've got a they've got a team that's got a really good game plan. Their goals against is which uh, been terrific. They're really really hard to play against. That's the whole secret. And you know, back to the game in in Edmonton, wasn't it Trey Fix Lansky that just single handedly beat Vancouver? Could be. It's, he's done it. A I few mean, times he's beat year. a lot of guys. Yeah. yeah, you bet. So I don't know. I, I can't I can't speak a lot to who the wild card team will be. But let's focus, first of all, I think from Vancouver's standpoint on, you know, maybe making sure that they can get a conference championship because that'd be certainly pretty cool for them. One more question for you, Bill. I lied. Uh, you, you spent so much time in this league and a lot of it uh, broadcasting with uh, Shaw TV. Have you heard anything about a TV package for the Western Hockey League uh, that's coming for the playoffs maybe or for next year? No, I haven't heard a thing. Have you? No, and that's... Isn't that terrible? <laughs> I mean, that was it was so great to have you guys uh, on the, with uh, with Shaw and the broadcast were so good. Uh, it just seems like a huge loss for the and an absence well, and does. the fans are without it. No, I mean, you know, we got in at the right time. I think it was all five, if I'm not mistaken. That was a year that the NHL was on strike, and you know, we had playoffs, we had four rounds, and you know, I mean, 
it's been a huge part of my life. I mean, I've done 2,000 plus games, uh, radio and television. I think 600, 650 in there were, were TV games. I did 50 playoff series, not 50 playoff games. I did 50 series. Mm-hmm. So you know how connected I was with that and how much fun that was bringing that to the viewer. You know, and, and guys like you with the comments and the compliments that yeah, you've given the, the, the program, the shop on TV over the years is so appreciated. And, you know, you know Peter Labardius and Dan Russell, and I worked with John Keane and Cam Moon, and this goes on and on and you know we were never the focus of the darn thing it was what was happening on the ice and i miss it immensely and i'm sure the fans do too absolutely well bill uh great to catch up again and uh look forward to doing it as the playoffs get a lot closer should be a fun stretch drive no i really appreciate it Keith. thanks for having me Oh, it's a treat to get to speak with a Bill Wilms, a longtime uh, broadcaster here in the uh, WHL. Got a little sidetracked as I was. Uh, I'm putting the show together here and uh, just breaking news out of the Ontario Hockey League. By the time you're hearing this, maybe we'll have some details. But the Niagara Ice Dogs have just been hammered by uh, the OHL and by the Canadian Hockey League. No real details yet, but uh, just reading off the press release, the club's been fined $250,000, and they've lost first-round picks in both 2019 and 2021 for violating certain league player recruitment policies. So that opens up the question, uh, the door to, you know, what exactly did they do? Are they paying guys under the table? Is it one player? Is it multiple players? What uh, exactly? Is it something to do with the import draft? I have no idea. But because the press release offers up no details, uh, you're left open to uh, speculation. So if you know what happened, let me know. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. You can email me, Guy at thepipelineshow.com. Uh, again, maybe we'll get some details as I'm speaking right now. It's 3 in the afternoon, Edmonton time on Friday. Interesting, this comes out uh, right before uh, a long weekend. Probably not a coincidence. Uh, but it's a lot of games going on this weekend as well uh, across the Canadian Hockey League and in the OHL. Wow, so that's a big one. Not a WHL-related story uh, for this In the Dub segment, uh, but uh, nonetheless a Canadian Hockey League story that uh, we will probably have to follow up on with uh, next week's show. And the question of the day may have just got answered. Which team are we going to get a play-by-play guy on for uh, next week? Uh, I have a hint. Might be the Niagara Ice Dogs. We'll see. All right, uh, coming up next on the Pipeline Show, uh, our NCAA Campus Report uh, segment. Uh, another Canadian who was up for the Hobie Baker Award. You're going to hear from him. His name is Morgan Barron. He's a New York Rangers sixth-round pick from 2017. He's a return guest to the Pipeline Show. So we'll catch up with Morgan Barron from the Big Red of Cornell next here on the Pipeline Show. trying to get it out of his own zone. Picks it up again behind the USA goal. This time a safe play and he finds Turcotte. With Gildon, shorthanded and over line. Turcotte, out in front, scores! What a move! Alex Turcotte, a shorthanded goal. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. 
Jonathan Taves. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Colton Pareko. And Patrick Sharp. We're stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. We are back on The Pipeline Show. It's time for the NCAA Campus Report. And my guest today is a uh, returning guest from a couple of years ago during his uh, NHL draft season while he was still at St. Andrews. Morgan Barron of the uh, Big Red of Cornell and uh, slash the New York Rangers, uh, my guest. Uh, Morgan, welcome back to The Pipeline Show. How are you? I've been great. Thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem at all. It's uh, good to catch up and, and see how things have gone here. In year number two, as a sophomore at Cornell, looks like a heck of a season. Uh, leading the team in scoring. You got a nomination for the Hobie Baker Award this year as well. And the team is playing really uh, uh, strong this year. I have to think you're pretty pleased with the way things have been going. Yeah, it's, it's been a good year for sure. Had a lot of fun at the rink, and we have such a great group of guys. Um, we're definitely hopeful that it will go a little bit deeper than we did last year. And uh, you know, pucks have just been finding their way into the net for me and my linemates. So that's been uh, that's been good so far. And hopefully, we can just keep that rolling throughout uh, NCAA's and our conference tournament. You mentioned your linemates. I know uh, guys always want to credit their their linemates uh, for uh, the play they're having, the strong season that they're having. Who have you been playing with uh, for the most part this year? Has it been the same two guys all year? Uh, well, we've, we've had a season plagued with injury for a lot of our guys. So there's been, uh, we've had a ton of different line combinations, but since about Christmas time, I was playing with Cam Donaldson and Brendan Locke, and I think we've clicked really well. And, and we're just, we're all sophomores, so we, uh, we're in the same program. So we spend a lot of time together during the day. But, um, yeah, no, we, we've clicked well on the ice. I think we, we have a good feel for where, where we're, where each other are. So, um, yeah, that's been great so far. And they both have, they both had tremendous seasons as well. So that's been great. Now, on an individual basis, Morgan, what's the biggest difference for you from uh, from this year compared to last year? I mean, it was a good year as a freshman last year with mm-hmm. 18 points, but, I mean, you've blown past those numbers uh, this season. Is it just that natural progression, you know, a year under your belt to feel a little bit more comfortable, that sort of thing? Or how do you what do you chalk that up to? Yeah, I think there's definitely some natural progression that comes along with it. I mean, I, I had a great summer, and I just feel a lot stronger out there, a little bit faster, um, and, and things like that, but... To me, I think the big thing is, is my confidence level. Just having the puck on my stick, I feel a lot more confident in being able to make plays this year, and I've kind of tried to hold that and really, uh, you know, stick to my game. But understand that I'm capable of doing a little bit more than I did last year, and I've just try, kind of tried to run with that, and it's worked well so far. So almost more of a mental thing than than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I think it happens for every freshman who comes into college. You know, there's that mental hurdle of getting over the fact that you know you're not going to be able to make the plays that you maybe made at the last level. Um, Right. And to me, obviously, that was part of the progression through last year. I had a lot of ups and downs throughout the year, but ultimately, I had a lot of reflecting over the summer and a lot of hard work, and it just kind of came together. But obviously, there's still ways we can go here. Morgan Barron from Cornell, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the NCAA Campus Report segment. Uh, tell me about how big that step was to go from St. Andrews uh, College to, to Cornell uh, from one year to the next like that. Uh, I have to think, think that was a, a pretty big challenge. Yeah, I mean, it was for sure. You, you go from playing prep where guys are typically you know, 17, maybe 18 years old, and you come in, 
a lot of guys are 23 years old, 22 years old on your team and guys you're playing against. So uh, in terms of just the age difference and, and strength and the size that comes along with that, it, it was pretty significant. Um, but for me, the transition, it, it was fairly easy just because I was surrounded by such a great group of guys um, and the seniors last year who, who have moved on and, and all the older guys, uh, juniors and sophomores really helped them myself and all of us kind of stepping in and the coaches did a great job in helping me with my transition from prep just because I knew it would be a little bit bigger than some of the guys who had played in the USHL or Canadian junior leagues. Academically speaking, uh, having come from St. Andrews College, so I mean, you had that balance going already. Mm-hmm. Did that ease the transition a bit as well? That, that definitely did for sure. That was, uh, that was a big part of it. Um, I know some of the guys who had been in junior for a few years who had maybe taken one class or hadn't taken any classes all through at that time, uh, had a little bit of a transition period where all of a sudden they're thrown back into a calculus class and they're trying to remember stuff from four years ago. But uh, St. Andrews did a great job in, in preparing me for for all the university endeavors that I've kind of had. And academically, I felt like I was uh, it was pretty easy to step in. I mean, I I kind of knew how to study. I had learned a lot of things that uh, some of the other kids maybe hadn't hadn't learned. And I had some great teachers there as well, so that was awesome. Uh, weird question, but I mean, Cornell is a pretty, uh, impressive school to, to have on your resume. What's mm-hmm. been the, the bigger transition or the toughest transition? The academic side <laughs> or the, I mean, the step up, uh, is it the academics or the hockey? Uh, pr- probably the hockey. I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I obviously care about my academics, but I think I put a little bit more pressure on myself to perform well in hockey. And at the end of the day, I just do my best in the classroom and the results that come are, are really what I take. But, uh, hockey, I think there's always that. That drive that I have to be to be one of the best players on the ice every game and, and in the classroom, I'm more so just trying to keep up. Well, the team this year playing really well as well. A 15, six and two record as we're speaking right now. You guys are getting on the ready to get on the uh, on the bus and uh, head to uh, Rhode Island, right, to, to play against Brown. Yeah, we got Brown on Friday, and then we head over to Yale on Saturday. Yeah, most of the, I mean, those wins they're piling up uh, for sure for you guys. Only one loss. In uh, 2019, and that one was an overtime uh, game. Uh, what's been the key to uh, the the second half success here for uh, the Big Red? Well, I think just at the start of the year, obviously we came off with two losses. Uh, we opened the season with two losses, and a little bit shaky off the start. And like I said, we we've kind of dealt with a lot of injuries, but I think once we got in the second half, we kind of figured out our identity as a team, and we really committed to that. Even so, we we do have a really young team again this year. I think we have uh, between our sophomore and freshman class, there's about 16, 17 of us in total. So we're really young again this year. We knew there was going to be that little bit of a transition still. But, um, yeah, no, we, we kind of figured out what our identity is. Uh, our power play started clicking. Pemley Hill started clicking. We got some really good goaltending from Macalida there once he came back from injury. So it's been uh, it's been good in the second half. I think we still realize that there's quite a ways to go, as we saw last year. You know, your season can end at the blink of an eye. So um, we still have a few steps to take, but I think we're heading in the right direction. Morgan, uh, I remember at the start of the uh, conversation here today, I mentioned that you were on the show a couple of years ago in your draft year, still at St. Andrews at that time. What surprised you the most about going to Cornell? I mean, is, I would be surprised if you said everything is exactly as you expected it would be. So what, what's kind of uh, been a surprise? Um, I mean, like you said, there's, there's definitely been a lot of surprises along the way. I think for me, it's just been kind of trying to learn that you know, every time you step on the ice, you're expected to perform at your best here, and and the coaches hold you accountable to that. You know, you're, there's no room for a bad practice here, especially once you get in the second half of the year and you might not be on the ice quite as much, and you're trying to save your body. There's there's really no room to go out there and waste a day with a bad practice. So, um, just the fact that all the guys, all 26 guys in the roster, are expected to go out there and be 
be at the tip-top shape of their game for whatever it is. If you're only on the ice for an hour, if you're on for an hour and a half, you're on for 30 minutes, we need to go out there and take advantage of every minute. What's Coach uh, Mike Schaefer like, and how has he and the staff helped you become a better player? Yeah, he's awesome. Like I said, they, they really hold us accountable to, uh, you know, to being being our best on the ice. And I think that's been great for me, especially, you know, just understanding that I can't take any days off, and, and especially this year taking on a bigger role in the team. Um, understanding that, you know, I'm looked up to and expected to be one of the better players on this team. And then uh, I think the skill development part, part of it's a big thing. I think he's a great example of a coach who kind of saw the game changing and, and use that to evaluate recruits differently, to teach the game differently. So um, between him and Benny Sire, Sean Flanagan, uh, the three of them are, are great, do a great job at really developing our skills, whether it's before practice, during practice, or if you're staying on late, they, they really take a, take a focus in helping us do that. A sixth-round pick uh, by the New York Rangers back in uh, the in June of 2017. Uh, since then, uh, how much do you do you get to talk with the Rangers? I know you you don't go to the fall training camp, but in the summer, I imagine you get together mm-hmm. with the organization. What's uh, what's that been like now? Yeah, it's been really good. I think that's just again having some some great hockey minds on your side and being able to talk to them. You know, whether it's every second week or every month or whatever it is. I mean. There are uh, some people who watch my games every once in a while, obviously. I think they're they're able to give me some really valuable input into the types of skills they need to develop to be to be a good pro hockey player someday. Um, so they've been great. I mean, I think they do a really good job of kind of staying out of out of the hockey things in terms of not clashing heads with their coaches and, and just giving me uh, you know minute details that can really improve my game, but not uh, not kind of overlapping with the coaching staff. But yeah, no, like, like I said, it's. It's really helpful to have them in my corner, and it's great whenever I get to talk to them and just talk about tidbits about how to improve my game. Now, Ranger fan, would I want me to ask you, you're having such a strong season, um, how far away you think you are from the next level. Should they be patient and they expect you to be a four-year guy at Cornell, or do you take it sort of uh, one summer at a time? Yeah, I mean, I would even say I'm taking it maybe a month at a time and just kind of reevaluating. It's not something I try to think about right now just because we're in the heat of our season. There's, there's a lot going on between that and school, but... Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, I think that'll be something that'll sit down with my parents and, and family and kind of talk about at the end of the year. But um, for right now, I mean, I can just say I'm, I'm really happy where I am. I really like it here at Cornell, and I think we have a great team. So uh, we'll see. Well, having a heck of a season, as I mentioned, uh, with 27 points. Again, as we're speaking right now, you're getting uh, set for a couple of games this weekend. Uh, but up for the Hobie mm-hmm. Baker, at least one of the it's like 80 or 85 guys nominated early <laughs> on here. Uh, so I, I'm sure you're uh, pumping the brakes on the excitement a little bit, but uh, that's it's yeah. still the recognition has got to be pretty pretty flattering. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a surprise when I saw it there. I didn't realize there was any kind of nominations or anything coming up, but uh, myself, along with two of my teammates there, got put up for it. So uh, I'm not really sure how the voting process works or any of that. Um, but, yeah, de- definitely for sure. It's, it's nice to be recognized amongst some really good hockey players between whatever it is you said there, the, the 80 players. <laughs> A lot of great players on that list, so I'm happy I can be a part of it. Uh, now, your little brother Justin is uh, playing very well with the Halifax Mooseheads. Uh, he's up for the draft not mm-hmm. this June, but next year. And I chatted with him this past summer when they, he was through Edmonton uh, with the uh, with Team Canada playing for the uh, Linka Gretzky yeah. Cup. Uh, and I asked him, you know, you guys are obviously what the three year age gap, but maybe four years. So you, you didn't get yeah. to play with uh, with each other growing up as kids all that much, but. You know, as he's gotten mm-hmm. bigger and stronger, and so have you. Who wins that one-on-one battle? Uh, I can give you a hint on what <laughs> what he said about well, that. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not uh, I'm not ready to hand over the reins yet. I'm still taking myself <laughs> in that battle for a few more years at least. Uh, now uh, you weren't able to convince him to go the college <laughs> route. Did you try to to get him on board uh, to go to Cornell? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I know I definitely had, uh, had been in his ear a little bit. I would have loved to get him here. Um, but at the end of the day, our, our situations were just so much different. I mean, you, you talked about how he was over at Hockey Canada for that U18, and, and I think he, he bloomed a little bit earlier than I did. Hmm. Uh, you know, I never would have even been in the consideration for, for that kind of uh, recognition to play for Hockey Canada at that time. And, and like, oh, he's a D, right-handed D, I'm a forward. Uh, he grew earlier, like like I said, than I did. So, uh, yeah, we've, we've had very different careers and so far just in the sense of where we've ended up. And, and he's in a great spot in Halifax, and he's happy there, and I'm in a great spot here, and I'm happy here. So um, yeah, I think it's worked out well for the both of us, and I'm just happy that he's enjoying himself. And he's obviously going to have a great opportunity there in Halifax with the Memorial Cup in, in the spring. Well, and, uh, I mean, he's getting a lot of hype for the 2020 draft as a potential and maybe probable first-round pick. You're biased, but uh, give me a, a bit of a scouting report on, on Justin and what makes him a special player. Yeah, I think he thinks the game really well. I mean, it, it's too bad. Uh, obviously, I don't get home too much, but so I don't get to see him play all that much. And even at Christmas, we didn't overlap with any of their games, but uh. I pick up his streams a lot, and, and I got out to see that uh, the U18 Hockey Canada thing. And I mean, I just know what kind of player he is. He's just really smart out there, and he's got a great skating stride. Uh, I think he, he's still got a little bit of work to do in terms of the physical game, but I think he's taken a lot of steps this year. And just that raw ability, as he's going to be, uh, you know, he's going to be a great pro hockey player someday. And I'm sure he'll be in the NHL before long. All right, well, let's bring it back to you. Just a couple more questions. Were you a guy? Are you a guy that uh, at the start of the year sets uh, like statistical goals for yourself? Not so much. I mean, I knew I wanted to produce more and be able to score a little bit more around the net, um, but I never really set a firm goal for, for what's going to be a successful season and what's not going to be because there's just so many different factors that go into it. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what's left between now and, uh, you know, by the time you hang up the skates at the end of the season uh, on your to-do list? Obviously, the NCAA tournament, right uh, smack center for you, and uh, you'd love to win a national championship, mm-hmm. obviously, but anything else along the way? No, I mean, that, that's obviously the big one. That's in, in the top of all our minds. I know Cornell has been pretty close there with the UCA season like Placid for, for a uh, conference tournament a few years in a row. So mm-hmm. I know the guys are hungry to get back there. We still have a, a few playoff series between uh, between now and, and getting to Lake Placid. But I know a lot of the guys really want to bring that home. I think it's been since 2010 uh, was the last time we won. So a lot of guys want to get that done. And then in terms of the NCAA tournament, I think we're in a good spot to get a bid, hopefully. But, um, you know, a lot of hockey left to be played. So... We're just going to keep trying to win our games and hopefully end up uh, going a little bit deeper in the NCAAs and, like you said, get a a national championship. Well, you got Brown and Yale this weekend, then four more games after that to close out the regular season. Now, Morgan, I really appreciate your time. It was great to catch up with you once again. Best of luck the rest of the way this year, and maybe we'll chat again down the road. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for the call. I appreciate it. That is uh, Morgan Barron from the Big Red of Cornell, and uh, this came to me afterwards, but uh, I, I... Try to Google it. I don't know if you can actually Google what a guy's nickname is or not, but I just couldn't see if it was on any uh, headlines or whatever. I'm a I'm a pun guy. I like puns. I don't know what his nickname is, but if Morgan Barron's nickname playing for the Big Red is not the Big Red Barron with two R's like his last name, then somebody is uh somebody's doing it wrong. Seems like a natural to me. One more segment left to go. It's another 2019 draft spotlight. He's not playing college hockey yet. But he's scheduled to down the road. He, he will uh, suit up for the Raiders of Colgate, following in the footsteps of another Canadian who uh, stood out playing for the uh, Colgate Raiders. My next guest is Carter Guylander, playing in the Alberta Junior Hockey League for the Sherwood Park Crusaders, ranked number twelve for the NHL draft among North American goaltenders. Six foot five keeper is one you need to know. Get to know him next here on the Pipeline Show. 
McLaughlin top the right circle, goal line right, pass through the middle, and a good save by Colton Point, and a beauty. Man, oh man, what a save by Colton. Hi, it's Colton Point from the Colgate Raiders, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You know, I hear the camera adds 10 pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras. This is the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We turn on the 2019 draft spotlight, and my guest today uh, comes from, uh, well, pretty much right in my backyard here as uh, we go to the Sherwood Park Crusaders and uh, rookie netminder Carter Guylander is my guest. Uh, Carter, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm doing well, Guy. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure to get a chance to speak with you today, and I wonder uh, how things are going for you right now. I, I, I get the sense there's might be a bit of a whirlwind here this season for you and uh, how things have kind of picked up uh, over the course of the season. Now you got all the scouting attention going. How are you feeling about the year? Uh, it's it's uh it's been a it's been really good with all the learning experiences and uh got a lot of exposure this year and uh the, the team's been unbelievable this year. It's one of the best that they've had in the franchise history of 40 years. So that's been a lot of fun uh the guys in the locker room, we all get along with each other, and it's always a blast coming to the rink every day. So it's a really good experience for my rookie season playing junior A. Well, let's talk about the team for a minute, because when I look at uh, the, the Crusaders, and you talk about how it's one of the best teams in the last 40 years, I get the sense there's a lot of young guys leading this team as well, and that's got to be pretty exciting. Yeah, it's uh, we bring a lot of energy with our young guys, with Savoy, Benny, and all of our rookies. Everybody's contributing immensely with the team and uh it feels like everybody's pretty much a leader and can provide no matter what so uh having that accountability with everybody sure comes a long way in those tough games all right well let's uh, talk about how you came to the uh the crusaders uh, yourself i know you played a couple of games with them last year and i wonder how important those two games were for you uh, just getting set for this season yeah last year i affiliated with them and came up with a lot of practices so I got a little bit of a taste last year of what junior A hockey is all about. So having that early experience was uh, nice for sure. Yeah. And then uh, now that you're here, you get a a tiny bit of a head start to this season, I feel like. Yeah. Now, you're also splitting time. I know you have a veteran goaltender uh, there as well. What's the relationship uh, like between goalies when you're both competing for that uh, the the starting job uh, every night? Uh, You're obviously not going to get the tap on the shoulder every night, but... Um, that healthy competition is a good thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, Matt Berlin and I, we've, we have an unbelievable relationship. It's, uh, I pick up little things from him and, uh, during our goalie sessions or just practice picking up on his habits. Uh, he was, he's a very determined goaltender and, uh, very fortunate to have him as a teammate. And, uh, like I said, those little things I've learned a lot from him and, uh, we're both very supportive of each other and wanting to push each other to get better. So that only helps us. At, both of us at the end of the day, so that's always good. Uh, no kidding, uh, for sure. The uh, busy schedule for the Crusaders this weekend, three games in four days, a uh, holiday Monday here in Alberta. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Carter Guylander is my guest in the 2019 Draft Spotlight, and we sh- we'll touch on the draft a little bit as well as we go, but I think for a lot of people, this is where we get to know somebody that's in your shoes that's a, a draft-eligible player, and my audience is across North America, so there'll be people on the East Coast that have never heard of you before. So let's get a, a bit of background uh, for those uh, for the benefit of those people. Uh, where are you from? 
I'm from uh, Beaumont, Alberta, which is about 10 minutes south of Edmonton. And do you remember how old you were when you first started playing hockey? Uh, I was novice second year. It was when I first started playing hockey. I actually started out playing Renette with my sisters and <laughs> having uh, two older sisters on two different Renette teams and my parents both working. It was really tough for them to uh, try to get three different uh, minor hockey teams all in the same schedule. So I actually joined uh, playing Renette with my sister and uh, that's how I became a goalie. One of a uh, one game, uh, my coach said that we needed a goalie and because we didn't have a, an actual goalie at that young of an age. So I volunteered to strap on the pads and uh, I had a blast in the net. And ever since then, I haven't been a player since. So novice second year is when I made the transition to hockey and I've been a goalie ever since. Well, and so you, your actual, your first few games of being a goaltender were actually playing ringette. Yep, absolutely. How big of a difference is it? Because I know the, the equipment's slightly different. I know you have a blocker, but you don't have the same sort of uh, traditional glove, right? Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, it took a little bit of time getting used to it, but uh, at that young an age, I didn't develop a lot of skills with uh, goaltending. I just liked it, stopping the puck or ring. Yeah, uh, it's a fun feeling, and then uh, taking away goals from players. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a feeling that I liked more than scoring goals. So <laughs> that's kind of why it stuck with me. Well, I wonder at that young age. Uh, for, I mean, for a hockey player, a lot of kids that age aren't getting the puck off the ice anyway. Uh, could they do it with a ring? Could it, I mean, were they picking the top corner with a ring at that young age? Yeah, it's with ringette, they're able to flick it up there. So uh, it was a little bit different than hockey, I think, in the sense of the types of shots. Yeah. And uh, But with ringettes, I uh, developed a lot of skating skills. And uh, I actually enjoyed playing player a lot, too. I, was, I never really thought I was going to be a goalie or ever – saw myself being a goalie but uh evidently that's different now <laughs> well that's interesting i i gotta tell you in the this is the 14th year i've been doing the show and i guarantee you're the first player that i've talked to who uh told me that they they their first experience on ice was actually going from ringette to hockey so uh you're a pioneer in that sense uh, carter <laughs> uh, now as a goaltender growing up uh i mean you, you stuck with it as a hockey player as well uh in net uh, and I've talked to a lot of goaltenders who said early on it was, you know, getting to wear the equipment and the, the mask and the pads and, and the sense that you're playing a team sport, but you're an individual on that team. You're the only goalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there something to it like that for you, too? Uh, yeah. And uh, like you said, with the equipment, uh, that's one thing that uh, kind of attracted the decision to become a goalie. My first ever uh, hockey mask was uh, this mean burger helmet I had. It was... Uh, <laughs> a burger with two mean eyes on it. And uh, I love that. And the aspect that you got to be different than other players with the type of equipment that you wear and you can uh, design it yourself too. That's uh, I always found that uh, to be very unique and appealing to me. Who came up with the mean burger design? Uh, my dad and I found it online. And uh, as soon as I saw it, I told him that that's the one I want. So uh, he kind of surprised me with it when it came in the mail and then I put it on. And that night, I don't think I even took it off when I went to bed. That's funny. You still have it? No, unfortunately I don't, but uh, I think I'll be keeping on to some other memorable uh, piece of equipment. Nice. Now, I, I've seen your, the mask you're wearing these days. It, I mean, black and green and white stripes. No burger, no mean burger. Yeah, no mean burger this year, but uh, I don't know. Maybe in the 
near future, I'll try to get a custom burger helmet. <laughs> we'll see. Carter Guylander, my guest here uh, on the Pipeline Show. He's a goaltender with the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Uh, now, uh, I know uh, I saw you earlier this year in camp with the Edmonton Oil Kings. I'm part of the radio broadcast team for the Oil Kings, so I saw you in, in their camp. Uh, what was that experience like for you, and, and how did that sort of kickstart you uh, at this level at the Alberta Junior Hockey League level for this season? Yeah, that was uh, it was a good experience. Uh, at the rookie camp, I uh, thought I played well enough to get the uh, main camp invites, and uh, which I did. And that level of hockey as a 16-year-old playing against uh, guys who are well over a point per game, like uh, uh, Trey Fixelansky, there uh, this it was a big eye opener to uh, all the talent that junior hockey has to offer, and mm-hmm. how much. Uh, work that you got to put in to be able to not only make that junior hockey transition but also to compete at a high level as well so that experience uh i always see that as a positive and now i think that's helped me to where i become right now now i ask a lot of guys what especially whl guys what the bantam draft day experience was like for them because most of the guys that i talked to went through the draft and were chosen mm-hmm. not the case for you so what was the bantam draft like for you and just not being taken was it a surprise you weren't taken were you frustrated and disappointed or did you expect to be taken i uh, know I, I never really expected to be taken in the draft uh i had thought to myself yeah it would be nice to get drafted but uh, there's a lot of guys in that league and even the NHL who uh, went undrafted and it was just a matter of time before they actually made that league. So I wasn't really disappointed when uh, I wasn't selected for the Bantam draft. And if anything, I think that helped me uh, motivate a little bit for uh, Mm. working harder to try to prove them wrong that uh, I do have what it takes to make that level. So I think there's always a positive either if you do get drafted but it's not the be-all, end-all if you don't get drafted. Well, that's the right attitude to have for sure. There's a long list of players who didn't get taken in the uh, WHL Bantam draft to win on to have success, at, even at that level or at the next level and uh, playing professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, right. All right. Uh, now, as a goaltender, I mean, all, most goaltenders these days, pretty much all goaltenders are, are butterfly goalies to, to some degree. What separates you? What's unique about the way you play? I think I uh, don't take advantage of my size. I being six foot five, uh, I have uh, a large frame that's able to take up a larger portion of the net. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't want to let that be a deficit to my game where I'm not getting to the top of my crease when I should be. Mm. So uh, being able to get to the top of my crease with my size, I feel like uh, I have a large advantage when shooters come in and they have a clear shot at me. I feel pretty confident in my ability. And my ability with my size, uh, I feel like I have a pretty good shot at making those saves when uh, it's just me versus the shooter. Carter Guylander, my guest uh, from the Sherwood Park Crusaders in the 2019 draft spotlight. Now, a lot of attention. Obviously, we talked about the draft a little bit, the NHL draft, though, coming up for you. And uh, I don't know where that was on your radar at the start of the season or where you were on the scouts' radar at the start of the, start of the year. But uh, 12th now in NHL Central Scouting among North American goaltenders. That's got to be pretty flattering, isn't it? Yeah, when I found the news out, uh, I obviously was pretty excited. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like the Bantam draft. It's it's nice to be ranked and all, and especially being at number 12. But it, it's not the end-all, be-all. And either way, you have to work just as hard to either get on that rankings, move up on that rankings, mm-hmm. or just prove that that's why you're there. So the workload, I feel like, is pretty much just begins at that point where uh, – even when the draft comes, if uh, you get your name called or not, it's 
you got to be able to work hard to prove them that you should be part of their organization. But if not, then you got to prove them why uh, you can be a part of that organization being a prospect. Now, the, I mentioned the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, hold your rights. As far as I know, that's still the case. But you have uh, made a, a commitment to uh, Colgate to join the Raiders uh, and play NCAA hockey. Was that a uh, an easy decision? Uh, was Is one kind of a, a backup plan in case the other doesn't work out? Uh, how do you view where the next step is for you? Uh, yeah, it's uh, I left the decision uh, open. I have 50-50 splits uh, up until the beginning of last season. And uh, I found that the NCAA route was a little bit more appealing to me uh, as the season went on. And then I uh, pretty much committed to try to receive a scholarship to NCAA last year. Mm-hmm. And then I told the Crusaders that... Uh, that was my. That's where my mindset was at, and then uh, evidently I did receive a scholarship from uh, Colgate, which was uh, pretty much my the perfect plan. And uh, I, I really couldn't be happy enough uh, committing to Colgate. They excellent school, excellent uh, programs, and they have a history of developing some pretty good goaltenders, like such as Colton Point last year. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I found that uh, just the aspect of allowing goaltenders to develop after they play junior hockey with uh, NCAA was, uh, I think it's very huge. And uh, if you look at the rookie goaltenders of the NHL now, they're not starting until they're 24, 25, 26, except for uh, Carter Hart, but <laughs> that's uh, that doesn't come around very often. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, and, and I'm glad you brought up Colton Point because I was going to ask if, if a guy like that was an example where you're considering, you know, different aspects or different schools and you see a guy like that, another Canadian, uh, played junior hockey in Canada, junior A hockey in Canada. And that was a program that he found appealing with. And since you mentioned him, I have to assume, uh, that was, uh, an example that you could follow. I don't know if you've actually spoken with Colton Point or anything like that, but, uh, did he kind of, use him as a, a bit of a role model in just in, in the decision-making process of which school to go. Yeah, absolutely. When uh, he was uh, at the World Juniors a couple of years ago with uh, Carter Hart, uh, I found that it was uh, interesting that there was a goalie from the NCAA or for playing for Team Canada. And normally it's pretty much just two yeah. major junior guys out there. So the fact that uh, anybody, even an NCAA, can play at the World Juniors and represent uh, their country was shows that both options are great options for any uh, hockey player that's yep. uh, trying to decide. So, uh, And then the fact that he went to Colgate uh, pretty much opened my eyes to them a little bit. So uh, that kind of got the kickstart to uh, my decision on committing with them. Now, I wonder, were there other schools that were in the mix and, and showing interest in you, or was uh, Colgate the first one and, and the one you committed to right away? Uh, Colgate was the first uh, school to offer officially so uh right and uh they're offered to a school of that caliber and they have a brand new rink and beautiful facilities is it's pretty much a no-brainer that i couldn't pass up on that and uh so i decided to commit to them uh relatively quickly and uh like i said i haven't been i couldn't be more happy committing to a school like them well, exciting for sure. Uh, Carter Guylander, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Now, I mentioned a busy weekend for you and the crew. Uh, you got games in Canmore and Calgary, and then you're back home on uh, holiday Monday against the Camrose Kodiaks. Uh, do you know which games and how far are games, uh, or, or how, how many days out do you know which games you are going to play and which ones uh, Matt gets to play? 
Um, it's pretty situational. It uh, depends on how the games go the weekend before or the game before. And, uh, but typically, you know, about two to three days before the game, but uh, it could be the night of, or the night before, sorry, right? Uh, before the coaches make their decision. So being able to adapt when uh, you have to flick the switch and get ready for uh, preparedness of the game uh, right before the game. So I don't really, that doesn't really bother me that much, whether nope. uh, I know just before or a week in advance, it's uh, still got to prepare the same way before those games. <laughs> well, I know the scouts are always interested to, to know, okay, well, when's, when's Carter playing so I can make sure that I'm in attendance for that game? I've heard that from three or four scouts <laughs> this year. Guys have called me and asked me if I know who's starting for the Crusaders that night. Uh, so I get asked that question a lot. So by, for an example, I'm not expecting you to tell me it, that you are or you aren't playing tomorrow in Canmore and then the game on, on Saturday. Don't tell me who's starting, but you know already who's starting? Yeah, uh, the coaches uh, and I have a, a chat uh, yesterday after practice. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I am aware. All right, fair enough. That's that's as far as I was going to go with that. Uh, listen, Carter, I really appreciate your time. Before I let you go, I guess I should ask, just ask you the, the normal, you're from Edmonton, are you an Oiler fan, or did you, you grow up uh, cheering for somebody else? No, uh, my uh, dad and uh, his parents, they were all Oilers fans growing up, so uh, that uh, trickled down to me as well, so I was an Oilers fan I still am to this day right now uh, an Oilers fan and uh, a little bit disappointing uh, game last night and uh, <laughs> as you could say about their season right now. But, uh, yeah, hometown uh, NHL hockey team, so uh, kind of obligated to cheer for them. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, now, you're a big guy, 6'5". Have you always been, like, the biggest kid in your class? Uh, yeah, I was uh, never freakishly tall uh, back <laughs> in uh, elementary school. I was always at the top, but... It wasn't until about late junior high and then uh, in grade nine, that's when I really hit my growth spurts. And now you're freakishly tall? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> guys on my team have uh, pointed that out. <laughs> uh, so uh, when you look at the uh, Oiler goaltenders of the past, uh, I mean, a guy like David Dubnik, six six, six almost six seven, uh, somebody like that, is that the sort of picture we should have in our head uh, of the way you play? Or can you kind of uh, take things from other goaltenders? Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of goalies in NHL that uh, I like to model my game around. Yeah. There's uh, the calmness and the technicality of uh, Carey Price. And then you got guys with a lot of athleticism like Pecorine and Andre Vasilevsky. And uh, all those guys, there's a lot of part of their games that I admire about. And that's uh, those are the kind of goalies that you kind of want to model your game around. I don't see myself as one specific goalie in the NHL. I, nice. I like to round it out a little bit. Excellent. I like that answer. Well, Carter, listen, I really appreciate your time. I know you got to get to practice, and uh, uh, I wish you the best of luck. I guess you'll be getting on the bus here shortly as well. Uh, I appreciate yeah. your time. Good luck the rest of the way this year with the crew. All right. Thanks, Keith. Thank you very much. All right. There's Carter Guylander of the Sherwood Park Crusaders uh, and ranked very high. Well, 12th in North America among uh, goaltenders. That's usually about the range where uh, guys will get drafted. And there's been enough buzz about him, I think, as the year goes on into the playoffs. The Crusaders expected to do pretty well in the playoffs. They're a top two team in their division. Uh, we could see his uh, stock rise. If perhaps uh, if Sherwood Park went out early, maybe even see him playing for uh, Canada at the World U18. Who knows? That concludes the guests for this week. Uh, next week on the Pipeline Show, well, obviously we're going to have to uh, go out to Niagara 
and uh, try to get uh, some sort of information. If if everything um, by then, I would have to think there's a lot more uh, info uh, having to do with this big fine uh, levied to them by the Ontario Hockey League. We'll try to get somebody on from around the um, sporting community there, whether it's uh, somebody from the uh, Ice Dogs themselves or a play-by-play guy uh, that covers the team. Obviously, we'll continue on with the 2019 Draft Spotlight at least once, maybe twice. Looking at getting somebody from HockeyProspect.com on again. And, of course, we'll keep tabs on uh, everything happening in the Western Hockey League south of the border with the uh, campus report. Uh, So lots we'll get to next week. Until then... Uh, I encourage you, if you haven't already, go check out patreon.com slash the pipeline show. Patreon is spelled P A T R E O N. Patreon.com slash the pipeline show. I uh, appreciate everybody who has signed up already. Subscribing to the pipeline show forever will be free. That's never going to change. If you just want to listen to the show, it's, it's going to be free to you uh, always. For those who uh, value uh, the content of the show, want to make sure the show continues on and want to chip in a little bit, you can do so through the Patreon program. And you get some bonuses for it, like early access. All the interviews you've been hearing today in this edition of the show have been available for the last three or four days, some of them. Usually I do an interview pretty much, you know, one on Monday or one on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, maybe a couple on Tuesday. They go up pretty much uh, half an hour after the uh, interview is complete takes me a little time to edit it down and get the sound right and add the the start and the finish to it and stuff like that um so to, but those are up and available to everybody who um, has signed up to be patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show that said between now and next to this time next week get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and i can talk about it next week on the pipeline show my name is key flaming see ya